Welcome to the SciDef Cybersecurity Podcast. Proud members of the Pod Bros Podcast Network. Check them out at podbros.com. I'm your host, Raymond Evans, and this is my co-host, Michael Fairweather. We're here to bring you the cybersecurity news that matters to help you in the cybersecurity realm. Today, 2 million Android users downloaded malicious Minecraft apps, and scammers used Facebook to distribute malware disguised as a video player. What do you got for us, Michael? Well, we're going to be talking about the Internet of Things and three security problems that that will create and how to solve them. And we will stick with the Facebook theme and uh, talk about location settings and how someone can use that to stalk you. Right on. Well, let's get to our first story then today. Three security problems the Internet of Things will create and how to solve them. Boom. Well, according to Gartner... There are currently 4.9 billion connected devices in use. Um, they're projecting that number to go up to 25 billion by 2020. Um, with that is going to come some, uh, there's going to be some problems out there because of that, especially with the quick rollout. The expansion is actually looking to boost the, the economic impact of the Internet of Things, uh, customers, businesses, your city authorities, hospitals, and other entities, um, as they find new ways to exploit the technology. One of the biggest, one of the the main things of the three, so increasingly poor security design. Um, when you're looking at it from a security perspective, uh, these devices they share common features with their mobile brethren. You know, like your your Wi-Fi toaster, it's going to have similar stuff on there, but it's not going to have the same security as your mobile device will, as your cell phone will. And that's mainly because mobile software manufacturers, they can kind of help avoid some security incidences by moving the processing of sensitive information onto a more controlled environment like a centralized server, whereas a Wi-Fi toaster isn't going to have that luxury. Another thing you're going to deal with, the second thing, is increasingly unaware environments. The uh, Internet of Things devices are going to have less computing power than you know, a normal PC or cell phone. So they can't afford to waste computing power um, adding functionality beyond what they normally would do, beyond their core service. Um, so they're not going to have something in, in place that's going to look for malware, that's going to kind of be a, a security feature on that. Man, I really wish there was a, a home appliance users could have for that kind of thing. <laughs> like an awesome home firewall? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the uh, the designs of these Internet of Thing devices allow hackers a lot of ease when it comes to <clears throat> intruding upon people's networks due to the Internet of Things' inability to implement security properly because of <clears throat> the limited computing power that they have. We're going to see this a lot more as they move into houses more as a, uh, a standard item. Yeah. Another thing you got to deal with, and the <laughs> third biggest thing with that is your outdated environments. You mean like Windows XP? Yeah, Windows XP. You know, you know that the um, that's not backed by Microsoft anymore. They're not updating it anymore. They're done with that. It's also full of security holes. Yeah. So because of that, there's actually a lot of uh, hospitals and doctors' offices that are still running Windows XP. I saw this firsthand last week when one of the the X-ray machines, uh, one of the mobile units, actually had uh, Windows XP on it. Very interesting to see. Well, the reason for a lot of that is because a lot of these hospitals and a lot of these mobile systems that are required for specialized use, 
have specialized software that's developed for them. And a lot of the specialized software is untested against newer OSs or just doesn't work with newer OSs. And it will cost um, the hospitals and other entities just large, large amounts of money in order to just upgrade to the newer OSs and find um, a new software that's compatible with the new OSs and then get people trained on the new software. And that's just, that's an undertaking that a lot of entities don't want to um, undergo. Right. Well, a lot of time, a lot of yeah. money. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of money. So there's gotta be, there, there's something has to be done. I understand that there are certain things out there that just can't be updated because of that reason. Um, or it's going to cost a lot of money to, in order to do it. They really just have to look at the cost analysis of that. Is what they could possibly lose going to be more expensive than upgrading? Cost risk analysis. There we go. A lot of times that cost risk analysis um, moves in favor of just letting them lose the stuff. Yeah. When you're dealing with patients' records, though, as a hospital would, that's a that's a little different. But yeah, so that's the that's the main thing. Those main three security things that are kind of that are affecting and will affect even more the Internet of Things as they're rolled out. Your poor security design, unaware environments, and outdated environments. Yeah, the best uh, answer for this, when designers build their software for their Internet of Things, that they build security into their system as well. Even if it's just something super, super basic, like implementing a, a key-type system where um, devices that communicate with it require a key that they give out to it, you know? Just yeah. just some level of security needs to be added to it. I know that it can't run a full intrusion prevention or intrusion detection software on it because of the computing power. But even if the developers just obfuscate the code to make it hard for hackers to buy these devices and then reverse engineer the code and find the vulnerabilities that way, that would be a step in the right direction as well. For these developers. It's better than nothing. Another thing that's really, really crucial in this is educating users. If the devices that are being put out by these companies had um, like little pamphlets in it, quick little how-tos for properly securing the device on their network, that would also help greatly. Oh, absolutely. Because it comes down to, yes, the, the developers can do so much, but ultimately it comes back down onto the users and teaching the users how to properly secure their network. And security patches. A lot of times, uh, security patches are pushed out by these companies to update and plug holes, and users just don't implement them. And the yeah. reason for not implementing them is due to the fact that a lot of times they have to go to somewhere and download something and then push it to their device. And um, there really isn't good update capabilities implemented in these Internet of Things devices a lot of times. There's not automatic updates implemented. There's not a button on an app that just click check for updates and install updates. Um, so if developers were to implement this as well, easier to update um, systems, that would alleviate a lot of problems that are being faced by users today as well and a lot of problems that are on the horizon for users as well. Absolutely. So speaking of downloading things, did you hear that 2 million Android users downloaded malicious Minecraft apps? You know, I was reading about that. 
So Google keeps putting out press statements saying malware is not a problem on the App Store. Not a problem, not a problem, not a problem. You know, they're coming out with new ways of checking for malware. You know, we had discussed that they are now implementing um, the new system where code is looked at from uh, a computer and then it passes that stage and it goes on to a human and the human checks out the app and then after the human okays the app, then it goes on the app store. Well, malware's still getting through. And the reason why the malware is getting through is because the malware is posing as a legitimate app all the way up until the user installs it, messes with it a little bit. Then the app asks the user to download additional items. And that's how this malware is getting through is because initially it looks like a legitimate app. It looks like it's providing the user with everything at once. Right. So it's pushing updates. It's pushing an update that's got malware behind it? No. The apps trick users into thinking they have viruses. So okay. we're not pushing apps. The, the apps pop up and say, oh, there's, there's a virus on your, your Android here. You need this antivirus software. And not only is it an antivirus software, but it's an antivirus service as well that it's claiming. It's a premium SMS antivirus updates, which costs four pounds a week. <laughs> Didn't they used to have? Didn't they have this in like the early two thousands? I remember yeah. getting stuff like this all the time. Over thirty Minecraft apps have been spotted, which have been doing um, malicious behavior. Between six hundred and sixty thousand and and two million eight hundred thousand downloads have have occurred with these with these apps. So there's there's a good amount of people in, out there that have downloaded this malicious software onto their Android device. Right. And that's, that's distributed over all 30 of these apps. Some of the apps actually received up to 500,000 downloads. Wow. Yeah. So um, it's, it's pretty severe, the, the level of infection that's occurred here. Um, I'm curious how many people have actually paid in or if they've even got that statistic out. The researchers think that it's been less than 10,000 people have actually paid for the service. So 40,000 uh, pounds a week? Yeah. It's a that's good amount of money. Yeah. But again, that's distributed over 30 different apps. Right. Yeah. Well, what's so, to say that it's not one person or a group of people doing all 30 of those apps? This is very true. Google, again, um, fought back the claims that Android is a cesspit of malware and bugs. Uh, talked about its automated service bouncer, which removes its, the malware, and its own human checking, which makes sure the malicious content is removed. Um, however, Android does not check updates, and they don't check additional stuff that is downloaded after the app has been run. Right. However, Apple iOS does, meaning that some of the malicious content that would appear on Apple isn't on there because of their scrutiny for updates as well. Right. I mean, it's going to be difficult to catch everything, um, especially if it's masquerading differently or the way it's masquerading. But hopefully we'll, they'll continue to work on that and get it to a point where it's not something that you have to worry about. Um, I can almost guarantee that all of these downloads came from a younger audience due to the nature of the app itself. Right. And I also guarantee that the people who signed up for the premium service also were uh, people in the younger audience as well due to them being able to be tricked easier into doing this kind of stuff 
social engineering the younger audience is really really easy especially when you're using scare tactics like this has been using telling these kids hey you have a virus on your system and you need to install something to protect yourself it's going to scare a lot of unknowledgeable users into downloading it yeah speaking of scamming people and using social engineering into getting people to do stuff scammers have been using facebook to distribute malware disguised as a video player woohoo researchers at trend micro have discovered a scheme where criminals are using Facebook to distribute malware disguised as Google Chrome video installer files. Huh. Yeah. This was first discovered by fraud analyst Christopher Talampas after he had received a Facebook message containing a shortened link. This was from a, well, it was from a friend, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had gotten it from a friend. After he clicked the link, he was taken to an imitation Facebook page that automatically downloaded a file titled Chrome Video Installer.scr. The file is designed to trick the user into believing it's necessary to play a video. So again, more social engineering here on yeah. users. But it's actually a piece of malware that's titled trojkillum.efld. It's very tro- subtle. <laughs> yeah, tro- <laughs> Trojan right in the name. Trojan Killum. <coughs> there you go. This variant attempts to download another file that the researchers suspect may be the final payload. However, the site where it pulls the file from has been since taken down. 36% of the visitors to the fake Facebook page are in the Philippines and 5% in the U.S. Um, a little bit of info on the Trojan. The Trojan arrives when a file is dropped by other malware or as a file is downloaded unknowingly by users when visiting a malicious site. So this has been seen a, a bunch out in the wild already. It's a, it's a pretty known Trojan. This malware creates a scheduled auto start task with the name of WinSPT and uh, creates a target file, WinSNER.exe. It then connects to a website to get a list of target URLs to download files from and um, path and file names to be used upon download. So it'll connect to a site and be given a plethora of websites with all these other payloads on it to download to infect the computer with and where to install them at. Upon successfully getting the, the URLs from that first connection, it then connects to another website which is the command and control server. And after it executes the download of files, it then reports back to that command and control server, telling us success or fail for the different files, which is kind of scary. So the one website downloads all these different payloads, all these different pieces of malware, and then it reports to a different website to tell the website which payloads have been successful. And then after that, it also reports the OS version. So this gives um, the authors of the malware the ability to see what OS the different payloads essentially work on. Right. Um, (laughs) It gives it the ability to do research on who they're infecting and how well they're infecting those people, which is kind of cool and kind of scary at the same time. Um, It's clever. Yeah, it's very, very clever. We have a link that we will be providing in our show notes. And in that link is a how-to of how to find and how to remove it manually and successfully from your system as well. So if you think that you may have been tricked into this and you want to remove it from your system successfully, we will have that in our show notes for you to be able to do. Also in Facebook news, as we were talking earlier, there is a new, well, not necessarily new. There's a new way. There's a new way uh, for people to stalk you, and it's using the location services 
on Facebook Messenger. It's a newly released tool and lets you easily track the movements of other Facebook users and plot them on a map. And it scrapes the location data that they've shared off of their Facebook Messenger chats. It's called Marauder's Map, um, which is named after a magical chart from the Harry Potter novels. Oh, I love I'm, Harry Potter. Uh, I did not know that was a thing before this sentence. <laughs> <laughs> not oh. Harry Potter, but Marauder's Map. Oh, Marauder's um, Map is fantastic. It, it lets you see everybody in Hogwarts and where they're located on the grounds of Hogwarts from a nifty little map. <laughs> yeah, but this one is real <laughs> and not fictional. Marauder's Map was actually released uh, It's har by a Harvard College uh, computer science student. It's uh, Aaron Canna. It's a Chrome browser extension. Um, so more Chrome stuff going on in uh, Facebook. It actually makes it really easy for anybody to uh, find out your, your contact's place of work, where they live, I mean, where they're hanging out, where they like to go to eat, their favorite bars. Anywhere that they're talking to people in Facebook Messenger, um, it can be plotted on a map. Yeah, Ken had said um, the first thing he noticed when he started to write his code was that the latitude and longitude coordinates of the message locations had more than five decimal places of precision, making it possible to pinpoint the sender's location to less than a meter, which is right. really, really insane. He had used it to determine where a casual acquaintance slept at night, and he actually was able to pinpoint the dorm that he slept in and the approximate location of his room in that dorm. Right. Which is just insane. And that's that's information that's already that's going out there. You're not doing anything to release that. It's just there. However, there are things to do to prevent the release of that information. There are. And we will provide that those steps in our show notes as well on how to prevent your information from being released. Absolutely. Um, now, sometimes you, you think, oh, it's, you know, I need to give my location to, you know, whoever to let them know where we are. But if you don't turn it off, so there's, you can, there's an on off switch. It's tip, it's on already. If you don't disable it after sharing it, then your locations are just going to build up. They're going to keep getting transmitted and going out there. Um, for anybody to take and see, you know, exactly where where you've been over however long of a period. This could be huge. It could be huge. However, the Chrome extension does not work anymore due to there being too many API calls, completely smashed the, the API calls on the mapping service that was provided. However, Aaron Khan did put the code up on GitHub for a more technically minded people to be able to roll out their own version. This is a huge impact on privacy. However, it's something that users should be preventing themselves. It's Absolutely. automatically enabled on a lot of apps and um, mobile devices. But if you don't want your location to be seen by so many people, you need to turn it off yourself. I had a problem with my location being put out there and I didn't realize that I had had my location services on. <laughs> until I had opened up the Google Tiles app and saw that my car had been pinpointed on a map where I was living, telling me this is where I parked my car, and then had every route that I had taken to work and back from work, <laughs> my, my commonly visited places on there, all stored. So that's not even, that wasn't even the Facebook Messenger. No, no. That's um, just what's getting tracked normally. Yeah. Yep. 
So it's the location tracking is bigger than just a Facebook issue. It's used by a lot right. of a lot of a lot of apps. Um, you should be turning that off anyway for a lot of things, not only for privacy concerns but also for security concerns. If you belong to a sensitive company that gets hacked a lot or um, might be the target of people wanting to break into it, you should be turning that service off as well. So people can't follow you on Facebook or follow your Twitter or Instagram and see all of your geo locations on there because that could give a potential attackers a good idea of when people are at work, when people aren't at work, where they frequent so they can try to eavesdrop information from you casually. One of the things that I do, um, first thing whenever I set up a new device, I go to the location services on that device and either I, I physically disable everything that I don't want it using. I mean, there's a couple things that I have that I'll stay on here, but I know that there you have the settings so like only while you're using it, so only while the, the app is actually open, is it using location services? So if you don't, if there are times when you want, obviously like Google Maps or a weather app or something along those lines to see, you want it to use your location to tell you, hey, what's going on in the area? Or, hey, how do I get to wherever? You can have it use your location then, um, obviously, but set it up that it's not always running. One, it's going to kill your battery life if location services is always running in the background, especially for like maps or something like that. And then once you're done with the app, close it. Like, go through your task manager on Android, kill the app, and do the same for your um, iOS as well, your Apple device. Yeah, but never never geotag your Twitter messages, your no. Facebook posts, your pictures. Never do any of that. Again, it's a security concern for any company that you work for, but it's also a security concern for home use as well. Yeah. You may go on vacation, forget to turn your geolocation off, and these people that have been stalking you and waiting for the opportunity to steal something from you. Now know that you're no longer in California, but you're over in England on a business trip for the next three weeks. Right. And congratulations, they now have free reign to go into your house, your car that's been left there, possibly your office if you run a small, small business with only a handful of people. Yeah, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Huge security concern. Turn your geolocations off. Did you watch uh, the Google I.O. 2015 by any chance? I did not. So we were talking about turning things on and off. Google has announced Android M, and they announced a fantastic uh, new implementation with the Android M. You will now be able to decide what permissions you want to give different apps. Really? So say you download Tetris, and for some reason this... This weird Tetris app that you downloaded is asking for the ability to access your contacts, your pictures, and your dialer. And you think to yourself, yeah, it doesn't need that. that. Tetris doesn't need that. <laughs> well, on the new Android M system that's going to be rolled out soon, you can go in and tell it, nope, and turn those different permissions off and give it just the permissions that you think it needs. And we had talked about how... There was some malware spreading. Um, I believe it was episode two or three we had talked about it, where mm -hmm. the apps were giving themselves permission after the fact. They were elevating their privileges after uh, users had installed it. Right. Because you only had to give them the initial permissions. Well, Android M, anytime an, an app is going to ask 
will try to use a new permission, you get notified of it and you can tell the app, nope, you don't need that permission. That is an excellent feature. So that little security concern that we had talked about back in episode two or three, yeah, that got that got fixed. Awesome. <laughs> I'm sure it's because Google was listening to us. Android M, keep an eye out for it. It's going to help a lot of security concerns there. And on that note, this week we covered three security problems the Internet of Things will create and how to solve them. Two million Android users downloaded malicious Minecraft apps. Scammers use Facebook to distribute malware disguised as a video player. And how to stalk someone's location on Facebook Messenger. What's the security tip of the week there for us, Michael? This week's security tip is in regards to the message preview pane in Outlook and Outlook Express. When you have the preview pane enabled, your emails are automatically opened as you go through them. Um, while it's convenient, it does pose a potential security risk. By disabling the pane, you're able to delete any emails that might seem suspicious before, before opening them and possibly risking a, a virus infection. So go ahead and uh, disable that, and we'll actually put the link in how to change that setting in the, uh, the show notes below. I was your host this week, Raymond Evans, and he was my fantastic co-host, Michael Fairweather. <laughs> Stay safe, keep your network safe, and have a week. Have a week.